0: All right, guys, welcome to the Chooseify radio podcast. This is our episode 100, and we knew we wanted to do something special for this particular episode because I think this show and this community have really grown over the last two years, and this is an opportunity for us to kind of go back to the beginning of this and realize that while so many of you have been with us from day one, there are over 100,000 people that are going to be finding this podcast for the first time within the last couple months or into next year, and we wanted to set the stage for that. We wanted to set the frame. This is our episode 100. Welcome to the FI community. You're listening to Choose FI Radio. The blueprint for financial independence lives here. If you're looking to unlock the secrets to financial independence and early
1: retirement,
0: you're in the right place. Stay tuned and join a community of like-minded people who are getting off the hamster wheel and taking control of their lives in the pursuit of financial independence. Choose F.I., your home for financial independence online. All right, guys, welcome to the show. Maybe this is your first time hearing about the Choose a Five podcast. Maybe this was recommended to you. We're really glad that you're here and giving this a shot. I, I, I truly believe that in a relatively short period of time, maybe as early as a month, maybe as early as a year, this can radically transform your life and help you design a future that you can get really excited about.
1: To help me with this, I have my co-host Brad here with me today. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Jonathan, I'm doing quite well. Yeah, this is exciting to do our our episode 100, right? I guess our hundredth Monday episode, because we obviously have our, our Friday roundups, but yeah, it's felt like a good time to do that one foundational episode where if you're new to financial independence, you could start here. If you're a longtime listener, if you've been in this community for years, you could send friends and family and coworkers to this one episode as, as a starting point. And yeah, Jonathan, why don't you give a background on, on your financial independence journey?
0: You were just mentioning, you know, the word starting point. I was thinking, you know, both my and your origin, but also this show, how this came together, you know, it's been a, a crazy, amazing ride. And it basically started because both of us were huge financial independence enthusiasts. Long before we had the Chooseify podcast, we were soaking up and reading this information and it had had a profound effect on, on our life. This idea that you could get to the point where working is optional long before your golden year, 65 and beyond, but in your best years, your 30s, 40s, and 50s, where you could spend the time with the people that bring the most value to your life, your friends, your family, really in the prime of your life. And, and in my particular case, I stumbled on a relatively small website at the time, 2012. I stumbled onto Mr. Money Mustache right as he was exploding onto the scene. And my, my entire world just expanded a little bit. This idea that you could optimize your life around value and that you didn't need to buy into the societal norm, which is spending everything you earn and then financing the difference. And I learned relatively quickly that if I were able to, you know, if a 4% or 5% or 10% savings rate could give you a pretty decent traditional retirement, the shockingly simple math was if I could get my savings rate to a 30, 40, 50, and beyond savings rate, then I could very easily have the option to work or to not work within a period of like 10 to 15 years. And this was incredibly compelling to me because I have never thought of myself as a frugal person. In fact, I've kind of grabbed the mantle as the reluctant frugalist. This has always been a means to an end for me. I am a spendy person. I love my Amazon wishlist. That's my natural base. But I could see how cool this alternate choice was. I didn't realize that by not making a choice, I was making a choice, right? And I think that was to some degree the impetus when we eventually launched this Choose FI platform. It was the idea that when you see it, when you see the option of financial independence on one side and the brand new 2018 BMW on the other, I want FI. That is the ultimate luxury. It it really is. It's hard to see that at first. One of the people that truly cemented this for me was my co-host on the show, Brad Barrett. And uh, Brad, I guess before we talk
1: about how we partnered on this project, maybe we should get a little bit of your background as well. Yeah, for sure, Jonathan. And I am probably the opposite of you in that regard. I'm a natural saver. I always have been. I don't know why. I don't know where it came from, but I'm just a natural saver. My wife, Laura, natural saver as well. We both graduated college. We were CPAs and we each lived at home and we actually met my very first day of work, which is interesting. And, and Laura and I lived at home for a couple of years, I think three years. And saved probably 80 to 95% of our income for those couple of years. And, and that kind of catapulted us on this path towards financial independence, but it wasn't a straight line. It wasn't just, Oh, they lived at home forever. And and that was that it was, we got married at basically 25, 26, and we lived in a very high cost of living area. We lived on long Island, New York, and we could have made a life there. We really could have. It's a wonderful place to live. Our family and friends were there. Like I said, we're both CPAs. We had decent incomes with certainly upside potential, but it felt like we would always have to give something up to live there. And one of the biggest things was we knew we were going to have kids someday and Laura wanted to stay at home with those future kids. That was the impetus for us to move. We basically got married and within three weeks of getting home from our honeymoon, we moved down to Richmond, Virginia. Basically here where I currently live, I'm still in Richmond. As are you, it costs, I don't know, about a third for the the housing and taxes as it would have on long Island, you know, listen, Jonathan, that was not an easy choice for us. We moved away from everything and everyone we knew, but that was a choice that we made at that point and said, this is for our future. This is for a better life. Sometimes with financial independence, it takes difficult choices like that. On the other hand, sometimes it's just small little decisions, but it always comes down to making choices and taking action.
0: Brad, I think you make a wonderful point that this isn't dogma, right? We're not talking down from you on high and saying that everybody needs to move to a low cost of living area. The math is a math, and, and clearly there is some value about highlighting that, but this is a choose your own adventure, right? We're very heavy on the fact that this is a choice that you get to make, and you don't need to do everything that we are we have done, that we're doing, and that we talk about on this show. But if you're living paycheck to paycheck, you're going to have to do something if you want a different outcome that doesn't have you working until your 70s and then relying on Social Security, And if you're somebody that wants to wrangle back control long before your golden years, right, 65, you want to get this control in your early 50s, your 40s, your 30s, you're going to have to make a different choice than that of your friends, your family, your coworkers, and the people around you that are paycheck to paycheck. There's a wonderful quote by Jim Rohn that basically says you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And what I think will be a very reasonable epiphany is that if you accompany us on this journey, if you include us as part of your commute over the next several years, Brad and I collectively can take up the role of half of one of those people. So one of those five can be someone that is motivating you to take action each and every day to reclaim this control in your best years. And what you'll find very quickly if you decide that you want to go down this rabbit hole is that it's not just Brad and Jonathan. You are embracing the financial independence community, a crowdsourced community dedicated to personal finance and dedicated to living their best life now. And I can tell you that I never could have imagined this, but the five people in my life are no longer dictated by my zip code. They're no longer dictated by who I went to high school with. I mean, it's, it's truly profound when you open yourself up to a group of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that are all pursuing financial independence. When you embrace that, when you join a local community of like-minded individuals, you cannot help, but find your societal norms shifting.
1: Yeah. Jonathan, you touched on so many important things there. It's We don't grow up with financial education. We grow up seeing our parents kind of muddle through their own personal financial lives and we see family and friends, like you said, the Joneses, the people in our neighborhood, they don't really know what they're doing because they didn't have parents who taught them this either. I think that's the beautiful part is that there are millions of people waking up and saying, wow, I want to take control of this. I don't want to be poor which is what someone even next door with a BMW and a fancy house, if they're living paycheck to paycheck and they're putting this stuff on credit cards, they're poor in my estimation. They do not have a net worth. Whereas so many people in our community are saying the key to my happiness long-term, the key to my freedom long-term is saving money because that changes everything. And that's the beautiful thing. You're not living every single day worrying that if you get fired, or there are corporate layoffs or some restructuring that your entire life implodes in 30 to 90 days. Think about how stressful of a life that is. So, so what we've helped build here at choose Fi is this community, this ecosystem where we have hundreds of thousands of people as part of this community, this is both online. We have a Facebook group with nearly 30,000 people in it. We have 150 local groups in 150 different cities throughout the world in 20 plus countries and people get together in real life. And you talked about the, the five people you spend the most time with. There are people in the five community that are meeting each other and becoming lifelong friends from these local groups. So if you're listening to this for the first time, head over to choose start. And we have links to our main Facebook group. We have links to these local groups and a whole host of other resources.
0: You know, I think it's important for our audience to point out that the benefits of pursuing financial independence are achieved long before you actually reach financial independence. So, Brad, on this show, you have long past financial independence, but I am truly on the path. And I think that speaks to kind of my origin story, which might be of some interest. And we could talk about it just for a few minutes. So in 1999, my high school English teacher told us that when we're doing the research for our paper, we could use a new search engine called Google, little known Little known uh, search engine at this point in time. It was competing with Ask Jeeves. (laughs) (laughs) There's a nice flashback. But uh, yeah, I think it's still out there, actually. Anyways, I used my newfound superpowers of Googling to look up top 10 professions in the United States. And I saw that pharmacy was at or near the top of that list. And so I decided to pursue a pharmacy degree. And I, you know, I'm sure there are other factors, but I think for the sake of the story, we will just leave it there. So I went and did four years of undergrad and then four years for my doctorate in pharmacy. So I graduated with a pharmacy degree and also just a a small student loan burden of about $168,000 student loan debt. I made the decision to go ahead and pay that off and really, really aggressively. And i had had a background from the Dave Ramsey community, and I really didn't want, especially consumer debt and student loan debt hanging over my head. I made the decision to pay it all off. And basically leaning on a lot of the five principles that we talk about, living well below your means, jacking up your savings rate. I was able, at one point, I think I approached somewhere between a 70 to an 80% savings rate. And I leveraged that savings rate to send it all to my student loan debt, paying off that debt in about four years. So basically I got back to broke at close to the age of 32 years old. Feels like winning, right? Uh, Anyways, uh, right about the same time, Brad and I had decided to start this little podcast at the beginning of January, 2017, and it just, it exploded. We couldn't believe how quickly it was growing. That's a wonderful problem to have, but to set some context here, I had just finished off paying my student loan debt. I had repurposed that savings rate to now go towards working towards financial independence. I had just passed a hundred thousand dollars in net worth and a couple things happened. A documentary wanted to come to town to film with us. We wanted to go visit my wife's family for some context there. My wife is from Zimbabwe. We can only go see her family every couple of years. It was a planned trip that we wanted to take. And we also wanted to go to our first FinCon together representing this little podcast, Choose FI. I went to my boss and I said, boss, you know, everything's working great at the store, but to be honest with you, with all of these factors that I have going on right now, there's just no way that I can do it all. And I know it's unreasonable to try to ask you to make this my paid vacation time three weeks in a row. You just can't do that but I've looked in the company policies and I see that there is a way to give me an unpaid three week leave of absence. It's conditional approval from management. Would you be willing to give this to me? To which my boss said to me, to be honest with you. I don't think it's in the company's best interest for us to let you do that. And because of everything that I laid out for you earlier, I was able to say to him, I don't
1: think it's in my best interest to stay. Wow. That's amazing. When you really think about it, who is in a position to do that? Think about the power that you've accrued in your life and you had at that point, that what did, what did you do? Like you said, your financial ground game. And for people who don't know what you mean by that, it means you slashed your expenses, right? You made your life cost very little in the most succinct way. Your life just does not cost that much. And this is a nice suburban middle-class life that you have with your wife and your son. So it's not like you're living a single person's life in a in a one bedroom apartment. Not to disparage
0: a- vans down by the river, but I <laughs> do not have in a van
1: down by the river lifestyle. <laughs> no, no, far from it. And and that's the beautiful thing. When when you focus on what's important, you can then make decisions that are good for your long-term interest and your family. You were working yourself to the bone. You were working well over 40 hours a week at your day job as a pharmacy manager. And you were working well over 40 hours a week on this podcast. That just didn't work. And to my ears, it didn't sound like you were asking for something unreasonable here, there was a company policy to take this unpaid leave and you asked for it and it was rejected. And then the beautiful thing is because you had cut your expenses so low and because you had started this podcast that was making a little bit of money, certainly enough to cover those expenses. You were in the position to say, this is in my best interest. This is in my family's best interest. And I'm not going to stay here anymore. And that is really the power of financial independence. You know, I
0: think you've highlighted something there. No employer expects an individual that's only four years out of school with $100,000 in student loan debt to be able to make a bold statement like I was able to make. That's not even in their wheelhouse of a response. This is really powerful. This is something that we affectionately call FU money. And this is something that you get. For a family-friendly show, Freedom Unlimited. This is something that you get long before you reach financial independence. This is something that you obtain basically as soon as you're able to remove yourself from the financial cliff. As soon as you're able to say, if I were to lose my job or walk away from my job tomorrow, my structural expenses are such that I will be fine for the next several months, for the next several years. You know, that, that is something that you get relatively quickly, especially if you're starting to nail a 50% savings rate and you're doing this in the context of no debt. This is something that we talk about a lot, this idea of structural versus discretionary expenses. I am mercenary on reducing my structural expenses. I leave plenty of room for discretionary expenses, but that it implicitly gives me flexibility with what I want and need my lifestyle to be. And that is what I was able to do, knowing that there's a time in life for everything. When I needed it to be lean, when I needed to bootstrap it, I was able to get my expenses down as low. I think my lowest that I ever hit was like $30,000 a year. You know, it's not that I'm telling everybody needs to live on 30K a year. For some people, that's probably easy. That's probably a race. For other people, that is a massive contraction of their lifestyle. This isn't like me dictating to you on high that you need to do this, but the core of this is it's not about how much you make. It's about how much you save your savings rate dictates everything.
1: And Jonathan, I know you kind of jokingly said about "fu" money there, but it's important to note that this is not the anti-job show. And it's certainly not the anti-job community. It's Find what you enjoy out of your life. Find what gives you value and run towards that. So to me, it's not running away from a life that I hate or a job that I hate. And in your case, you didn't hate your job. This was something that you enjoyed, but it just, it didn't fit your life anymore. And you certainly didn't go out in a blaze of glory, yelling at people or anything insane like that. This was a very rational decision for you and your family. And frankly, from the way you told me your boss was taken aback because. Who has the power to do that? What 32 year old guy comes in and says, all right, I'm out. Nobody, right? Nobody. You were the first person and probably the last person. And the beautiful thing is your boss said, okay, well, you're a valued employee. There's a job here for you if you ever decide to come back. And I think that highlights the beauty and the power of being in this position to do something unconventional. Yes. I think
0: individuals that have been on this path, even for a relatively short period of time can drastically transform company culture. And if they can't transform the company culture, they are in the position to find a company whose culture they can thrive in. And if they can't find that they are in the position to start their dream job, start their dream company. That is what I think we've seen over and over again, The, the, the individuals that are worried about how to keep the lights on, how to keep food on the table are rarely in the position to be able to have this sort of, of local impact. And I have to imagine that on my employer side There was some tilt. You know, my response was not the expected response. The expected response was, oh, okay. well, I'll go back to work. That'll be fine. But in the context of what I've just laid out for you, I have nothing but options, right? I could go back to work. I could go to a competitor. I could take several years off and then I could go back to work. You got to look at this as giving you options. This gives you unlimited freedom and flexibility to design, craft or find a working situation that you can thrive in. That's what this
1: is all about. Yeah. And Jonathan, it's important to take a step back at this point and just say FI and fire. This is not for one segment of the population. This is not for highly paid individuals. This is for everybody. And yeah, for people making maybe minimum wage people who are living truly paycheck to paycheck, where if one expense comes their way, their refrigerator breaks, or they get a flat tire, something that would seem like small to me or to you even but is life-changing, right? This is an existential crisis. If they have a $500 expense, because that's going on a credit card or who knows, payday loans or something obscene like that. Maybe they imagine they listen to this or they just heard about financial independence and, and they imagine that it's impossible for them to reach fi. The difference between them being intentional and having a thousand dollars, $2,000, $5,000 in the bank, that is a life changer. Think about. How much less stress goes on in that life when you have just a couple thousand dollars in the bank. And that's not just for low paid individuals. That's for everyone across the spectrum who are living paycheck to paycheck because they never had that financial education. They just, they don't know any better. That's the way they've lived their lives. Well, by now looking at this community of hundreds of thousands or millions of people who are being a little bit different, a little bit more intentional and are saving money. They can say, oh, that makes sense to me. Maybe I should save some money. So I'm not living in this constant state of stress and fear that if anything goes wrong, or I lose my job, that my entire life crumbles. That to me is such a fundamental aspect of this. We don't talk about enough. It's so important that this stress that is constantly there for the vast majority of people in America and the world, really financially can go away. If you just have a couple thousand dollars in the bank. And Brad, I think it really speaks to the
0: depth and diversity of this community that this appeals to high and low-income earners. Obviously, the strategy is a little bit different depending on who you're talking to, but the concepts are equally valuable. I try to put myself in this situation and just try to play this out. So for someone that is making minimum wage, maybe they're making less than $30,000 a year. To some degree, they have already figured out the frugality piece, not as a luxury, but as a necessity. I think that's there. I think you'll find with anybody, though, that's not checking your finances, not tracking them in any way that there is going to be some way to optimize. And the interesting thing is that every hundred dollars that you can cut from your budget or that you can optimize in your budget has a much more profound effect at someone making a a lower annual income It's just a larger percentage. Conversely, a raise someone making an extra one hundred dollars a month, two hundred dollars a month that goes so much farther for someone. That is operating at a lower income, and so you can see this kind of play out when you have an individual that's paycheck to paycheck on maybe a hundred thousand dollars a year, two hundred thousand dollars a year. I know people that feel like they don't have enough money at over five hundred thousand dollars a year, and for that individual, they just write all these little things off, like, "Oh, well, you know, I could I could cut the coffee, but it's just not going to make that much of a difference." But they don't see that same value, so I think there's a little bit of a logical fallacy there. But I think ultimately, to simplify this down and distill it. There's a very simple equation that drives all of this, right? What you earn minus what you spend is equal to the difference or the gap. And our goal in this community is to give you actionable advice to grow your income, is to give you actionable advice to slash your expenses, figure out what it is that you actually value, and then figure out finally, once you have this difference, once you've been able to grow this difference, this gap, figure out what to do with it we can tackle each one of those individually because this isn't a one week mini series and after that there's nothing else to be added rather there are hundreds of thousands of people in this community that are crushing it on all ends of this equation and they're giving us their insight
1: their input and we're documenting it and sharing it with you yeah and jonathan it's important to note that while that equation that equation is essential it clearly is but this show and certainly this community it's not just about the numbers we wouldn't have nearly 200 total episodes. If, if we were just talking about the nuts and bolts of numbers all the time, you and I, from the very beginning, we viewed this as a life optimization strategy. That's the term we use life optimization strategy, because once you figured out your money, once you get that in a good place where moving forward, you're saving money, you're cutting your expenses, you're earning more income. Once you've got that kind of on autopilot in essence, because that's the easy part, then you can focus on your life that's the beautiful thing. Most people don't have that time and that space to take a step back and say, what do I want out of life? What do I want my life and my family and my relationships to look like five, 10, 30 years from now, who has the space to do that? Well, people in the Phi community do, because they have the hardest part. They have the biggest stress figured out. Then towards this life optimization, we focus on on everything that actually means something to us. It's health, it's fitness. You and I are in the best shape of our lives and, we're, and we're, we're certainly on that path. We're focusing on relationships. We're focusing on our family, our friendships, other relationships, the Phi community. This has become a community aspect for us. We focus on our mindset and our habits and our literally our day-to-day. What does the first hour of your day look like? What does the last hour of your day look like? How do you set this up? to have a successful day, week, month, and year.
0: And I think what you find, Brad, after you've been doing this for a relatively short period of time is that it's this aggregation of marginal gains. This is an incredibly profound concept. It's this idea that the small differences, they may not look like much, but when you look at them in the rear view mirror with a little bit of distance, you realize that it's not one small change or two small changes, but it's this compounding effect where you're adding these marginal improvements to every single aspect of your life. And it's something we'll circle back to, but you know, let's say that someone asks you, well, how did you reach financial independence? And you tell them, well, I packed my lunches every day and brought it to work. And then they just kind of laugh and you laugh it off, but you're like, serious, not serious? Because while obviously packing lunch in and of itself isn't gonna get you to financial independence, it's a metaphor or a representation of all the little choices, the quote unquote sacrifices that you made that other people weren't willing to make That allowed you to have this dramatically different outcome. Another aspect of this is the talent stack by virtue of the fact that we have built bandwidth into our life. We've kind of optimized and kind of set and forget these other aspects. We now have room to explore the activities, hobbies, and interests, things that actually light us up and we become a more useful, practical, functional, enjoyable person right over time that's something that all of us can appreciate because I I don't think that any of us aspire
1: to be filing TPS reports on Sundays. No, there's no doubt about it. And I think that talent stack, and that's a phrase that I got from the author, Scott Adams, that to me is so crucial. It's trying to find these areas of your life where you can just learn new things and add these little talents that you never know in and of themselves. You might not be world-class at any of them, but if you're in the top 10 or 20% and you put five, 10, 20 of these talents together in your life, you never know when you can synthesize that and, and come up with something that's just magical. I think Jonathan, I did something like that in my own business, right? My first website, I looked at my accountant's hat and I looked at my travel rewards hat, and I decided to take my website, which was just an online, regular old personal finance slash travel website, and make it a hybrid real world slash website where I quite literally got on the phone with people during my lunch hour and talked to them about their travel rewards plans because I was looking at it under the umbrella of being an accountant. I said, Oh wow, I can actually earn some money if these people use my links on my website. So it was this, this one little epiphany that I had, then really that led to changing my entire life. That led to all the success that I had online, which ultimately led me to choose a five, right? there's a direct path, which is so interesting. And it was just that one little thing. And I credit this talent stack with that.
0: Brad, I think that really brings it home and highlights that this is about more than the numbers. This again is a life optimization strategy. And with that guiding light in mind, let's go a little bit more tactical. How does someone know that they've reached financial independence. You know, I see a lot of fear mongering out there in the mainstream telling you basically there is no number that you can reach to be financially secure. You'll need to work until you're 70, 80 years old, and then you better hope and pray. And and essentially what they're telling all of us is that you need to work until you die. And, And frankly, that's backed up by a lot of the retirement calculators that are out there, which are just fundamentally flawed.
1: Yeah, they are. And I've thought that for many years because they start from the wrong spot. Those retirement calculators start from your current income and assume that you spend every penny of that income and therefore you need to replace all of that in retirement. Well, that's fundamentally flawed at its essence because in order to ever retire, you need to have a savings rate. Even if it's a paltry 5, 10, 15%, you need to have a savings rate. So that clearly reduces the amount you need because obviously if you're earning $100,000 today and you have a 15% savings rate, at most, you're spending 85,000 because that 15% savings rate is 15,000. out of the 100k leaves you 85k left. Also, you're at a higher income tax bracket with your current salary than you will be in retirement. So your income tax will go down also. So again, I think it's starting from the wrong spot, whereas I think the right spot to start is what are your expenses? So this is the fundamental essence of calculating your Phi number. What are your expenses? That's truly what you need to replace. And the beautiful thing is your expenses in five might be different than your current day expenses, because maybe your five plan means you're going to pay off your house, right? So that's going to go down. You may or may not, but that's in your plan. So let's assume like Jonathan, your life expenses right now, even with a mortgage are only in the $30,000 range. So that's the number you need to replace right? Because if you were earning no income, you need to replace $30,000 to pay for your yearly expenses. So clearly that's the starting point. And I think what we do is we look at a calculation. It's called the 4% rule. And this is what we like to say is the 4% rule of thumb. Okay. Because this is not a hard and fast rule, but this is a loose rule of thumb that allows you to at least start with a number as opposed to saying, Oh, I need $10 million to retire, right? Some absurd number that you hear thrown around in, in the general public. Oh, you can never retire. Oh, you need five or 10 million. Well, I reject that. It's you look at your expenses and what you do is you multiply them by 25. Okay. So this will get you to the 4% rule. Really simply, let's say your annual expenses are $40,000. You multiply that by 25 which gets you to $1 million. And that is your fine number.
0: Now this is really fascinating because I think it's so valuable to be able to calculate your number and then run it a bunch of different ways just to kind of realize this cost benefit analysis. So you're like, well, I am a college student and my life only costs 16 K a year right now. I have no bills. Obviously your life is going to cost more down the road, married kids, all the things that come along with that. You you have the liberty to run this calculation multiple different ways, and you have the ability to change the number to reflect your current reality. But I think once you get to a steady state, once you find your your point of optimal happiness, right, And, and you're being realistic with what your life actually costs, knowing how much your annual expenses are, multiplying it by 25 Gives you a wonderful, wonderful starting place. And Brad, let me just kind of fill in the gaps there. And I'd love for you to kind of critique this and see if I'm saying it mostly right. Again, keep in mind we're we're calling this the 4% rule of thumb. We're getting that from big earn over early retirement now, who has dissected the 4% rule thoroughly to look for where it's strong and where it needs a little bit of buffering. And it's a deep rabbit hole, my friends. You can go, you can go really far with this, but let's just set the basis that, you know, starting with the 4% rule, if you have a million dollars in investments then you can with some reliability anticipate that you can withdraw $40,000 per year, which is 4% of that total amount for the rest of time. You have created a perpetual money-making machine. And the best part of this is that the 4% rule actually accounts for inflation in this. So I remember at multiple years where I would get a 1% raise or maybe even a no raise at all. And the, the crazy part of that is at when you're working, if the inflation rate is hovering somewhere between 2 and 3%, your raises aren't, assuming you even got one, aren't even keeping up with inflation. The 4% rule actually accounts for that, which is just incredible. Now, I'm not saying that it's the final word and that you should never look at any additional numbers or that you should never dynamically move your plan at all, but it is an incredible place to start. And it gives me personally such peace of mind to know where my number actually comes from.
1: Totally agree. And I think for so many people, those retirement calculators, they just give you that fear because you have no idea what you're doing. It's so nebulous. And again, you hear thrown around 3 million, 5 million, 10 million, like you can't get there. It just seems impossible. But you can say, all right, I can control my expenses. That's a phrase that we like to say here, control what you can control. You can control your expenses clearly. If you use this 4% rule of thumb, at least you have that starting point. And again, I definitely implore everybody to head over to early retirement. Now, if you want to read into this at length, but it gives you that starting point, point. and for me, I'm a little more conservative with my money. So if my annual expenses were $40,000, I would not say I'm at FI that day that I got a million dollars in net worth. That's not in my personal plan. I'm probably closer to three or 3.5%. I think just mentally to give myself that little bit extra, but everyone is different and that's the beautiful thing here is you have to figure out what works for your life, but this gives you that starting point.
0: Bringing it back to savings rate. I think this is one of the more profound parts. So if, if you're paycheck to paycheck and you're only saving 1%, it is going to take you a hundred years to replace one year of expenses. Conversely, if you are able to hit a 10 or 25%, let's or go more toward the extreme side and say, let's say you're able to save 50% of your income. That means that every single year you work, you can replace one year of expenses. So if you work for 10 years, you have 10 years sitting in cash. You know, you have 10 years of expenses saved up, but it's better than that. If you invest that amount due to the nature of compounding, In a relatively short period of time, a 10 to 15 year window, you the just the simple math basically says you're going to have hit your financial independence number. So there's a level of peace from one, knowing what our number needs to be and then two solve the problem at hand, which is control my expenses and figure out how to jack up my savings rate. And so that's why you see so many of us in the community anchoring ourselves to a 50% savings rate or beyond. I know individuals that are saving 90%. Now, now keep this in mind. You're saying, gosh, I'm a failure. I can't do this. I can only save 20%. This is the power of anchoring. And this is the power of you being the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. You know what your peers, you know what your friends are saving negative 2%, 1%, 0%. Even if you strive to hit 50 and fail, but you hit 20%, You are in such a dramatically better place in the Fi community. We don't anchor ourselves to the brand new 2019 iPhone release. We don't anchor ourselves to the brand new 2019 Range Rover. We anchor ourselves to the stealth wealth community, people that are striving to hit 50% savings rates. You know how many of my friends now are stealth wealth millionaires, not because they look rich, not because they're wearing their expenses on their sleeve, but because they save their money. And this is why we're so passionate about getting this information across. Just, you got to get started. Do not wait. We've tried to key up this rabbit hole for you to make
1: it as easy as possible. Go to chooseficom slash start. Yeah. And Jonathan, as you described it, it really is. It's like the millionaire next door. That's what you're describing. You're describing people who don't look rich, quote unquote, according to the societal norms, but are ultra wealthy. And I think that's, what's so interesting when we get together with people in the FI community, there are people with multi-million dollar net worths and you would never know it in a million years. Nobody talks about their net worth or anything like that. We talk about what we value in life and what makes us happy. That's the beautiful thing. When we call this that life optimization strategy, that's the type of stuff we focus on. We focus on relationships and sitting around and playing board games and and doing all these fun things as opposed to talking about the weather or the sports teams or whatever the other nonsense politics We keep all that stuff away and we focus on what makes us happy in life. And I think that's a beautiful, beautiful thing, but you talked about cutting expenses, right? And I don't want anyone to think that this is about deprivation. It's not at all. It's about making intentional choices. And I think now would be a perfect time to talk about maybe some of the choices that we made and also some of the choices that some people in the community at large make. And I think for context, we're kind of making this an all encompassing episode, but
0: if you want to go into more depth, we recorded an episode a long time ago is episode 21 of our podcast called the pillars of FI." We go through 10 different line items that will have a massive impact. Some of them we're going to touch on in this particular episode. We also have an infographic that I think you'll get a lot of value from. You can go to choose slash pillars, and there will also be a link in the show notes for this episode uh, that basically kind of shows you. How big of an effect that you can have by just taking action on a few different line items. But I think, Brad, I love your point. Let's make it personal. Like what levers did you actually pull that in your estimation really propelled you to this level of financial independence?
1: Yeah, to me, it's probably four major decisions, maybe four or five that set us on this path. And again, it's not deprivation. It's not, oh, let's eat pasta and sauce every single night for 85 cents that's not our life. We live this wonderful, wonderful life of abundance. And everyone that knows us, if they didn't know I had this podcast or that we were pursuing financial independence, they would just assume we're normal middle-class people doing nothing spectacular. We're just living that normal life. So again, that's the backdrop for none of this is deprivation. So for me, the decisions really simply were moving, moving from Long Island, New York down to Richmond, Virginia. And we moved into this wonderful part of the Metro Richmond area. We have great schools, great place to live. We had a four bedroom, nice house, but it just didn't cost that much. We were very intentional about it. That probably saved us even just in our own little school district. That probably saves us about a thousand dollars a month, as opposed to our other friends who live in the neighborhood. So, and easily a couple thousand dollars a month over where we would have lived in New York. So. That decision was enormous. $1,500 a month is $18,000 a year. Our cars. This is a big one. I think for most people, if they made this similar decision, they could save many, many thousands of dollars a year and certainly compounded over decades. This could be a million dollar decision really easily. We drive old cars and we're very happy with them. They're these wonderful 2003 Hondas and Toyotas. They drive. Right Sure. Maybe my car doesn't look so nice. There's a little bit of uh, paint peeling, but <laughs> if I really wanted to fix that, I could, but frankly, I don't really care. That's the beautiful thing. I haven't had a car payment in over 10 years at this point. And that adds up, right? When you're talking even a fairly pedestrian 300 or $350 a month car payment times two times my wife and I, that's $700 a month. That's over $8,000 a year. So now you add $18,000 a year from the house, plus another 8,000 from the car. That's $26,000 right there from a normal middle-class salary. $26,000. And then for us, probably the third biggest thing is food. My wife, Laura is a wonderful cook. She loves to cook and we just don't eat out all that often. She is very intentional about planning her meals on Sundays, She'll sit down, she'll cook a big meal. It'll be good for probably three nights for the two of us. It saves money. It saves a ton of time. It's healthier. We get to sit at home and spend time with each other and the family. So it's just a huge win. We probably save five to $800 a month over just the people next door. So again, that's huge. So yeah, I mean, those three things clearly got us on the path just right there.
0: So, Brad, it's interesting how many of those decisions are reflected in what what I did as well. And I think that's one of the things we realized is that this isn't rocket science. The FI community, by and large, is doing the same things. They're not doing the exact same thing. There's a lot of variation on which ones they choose, but the levers are basically the same. You have an a la carte menu. Take what works for you. Some of those are going to be more profound than others, but some of them are only going to be realistic for some individuals due to their own natural inclinations. And I'll give you a couple examples. It really stood out to me. The car, though, I I went to the mall with my wife and son probably about a week ago. And in the parking lot, I saw a BMW i8. I just now Googled it. So what was so interesting when I saw the car is that it was actually spread across two parking lot spaces. And to be honest with you, although I kind of laughed about it, I didn't blame them. I mean, I could just tell this is a very expensive car. I just looked up the uh, MSRP is one hundred and forty seven thousand dollars. You know how terrified they are that someone scratches their car when they're parked with the mere mortals inside of the mall? Like if someone were to ding that, what a devastating, again, existential crisis that would be for that individual that would ruin their month.
1: Would you even care
0: if someone dinged your car? Honestly, would, would you give it two seconds thought?
1: No. And I actually have a recent story about this. My brother just got married. His then fiance, Kristen was, was driving my car when they were here. I think she actually did kind of scratch it up or she thought she did. And she was so worried about telling me, which I'm not that scary of a guy. I I don't know why she was, but like, she thought I would react like any normal person with their car and be worried. And Oh, I have to call insurance or, or some other nonsense. She thought she actually did damage to the car. I just like laughed it off. I'm like, Kristen, I have a 2003 civic that's worth $3,000. I don't care what you did to it. Anyway, it was a longstanding issue on the car. So she did absolutely nothing, but that was this beautiful moment where I don't care. The car drives perfectly and who cares what it looks like. You know, and this is that difference between wealth and rich.
0: Now I'm not trying to throw you guys on a coin toss on this, but You know, if you look at it as a societal norm, so many people want to look rich and they sacrifice their long-term wealth to do it. We did an episode, it's episode 22, the true cost of car ownership, even on a much smaller and more affordable vehicle. That's only 20 or $30,000. If you are constantly in the cycle of financing of payments, if you never are content with the car you have, it's going to cost you a million dollars. That's worth listening to. And then another one is house hacking. So You know, going back to this individual that maybe is making the minimum wage and they're able to take some of this advice and they're able to maybe get saved up for the first time in their life. They have no loans. They have no debt. They even have several thousand dollars saved up. If this individual could set up something like a house hack and explain what that is, if this individual were to purchase a home, a duplex, triplex, or quad and live in one side and rent out the others. And that were to cover some or all of their rent. And then to compound that effect, they were able to get that house hack near their employer or near their job. So they had very minimal transportation costs. Because at that point in time, there's like a point at which you can't get your cost of rent, your cost of a mortgage lower, right? So that is taking an outsized percentage from a low income individual. Those two decisions alone will immediately, immediately send that person past a 50% savings rate, allowing them to pull this off. That's just how profound this stuff is. So Brad, I think it's about looking at the problem a little bit differently. And we look at the problem differently when it comes to our housing, when it comes to our cars, when it comes to our cell phones. When it comes to our cable, when it comes to our travel expenses, when it comes to college and when it comes to healthcare, we just say, what are our options? Because I'm not okay with just paying retail, paying MSRP, just paying out the nose without thinking about this. What I want to know is if there are a community of people that have figured something out and are willing to share what they figured out and tell us how we can implement that piece in our life, I want to be exposed to that. So at least I have the option and I have the knowledge. So if I decide not to do it. I'm making that choice with all the facts. I don't want to be in the position by just not making a choice. I've already made one. That's basically what it comes down to. You get a limited amount of time. That's our only fixed non-renewable resource. And I truly believe that when you're exposed to all of the information that's available to you, the most obvious choice is financial independence.
1: And Jonathan, as we said, life is a series of choices. We implore you to not just listen to this, not just graze on information, but to actually get up, and take action. That's the crucial part. Your life is not going to get better just by listening to podcasts and reading websites. It's just not, you have to take action. And the beautiful thing is there's a community here to support you that makes my life better. I know having people that are now lifelong friends, having people that can support me when I have a question, when I have a problem that to me, Jonathan has been the most amazing part of choose FI is to see this community grow in such a short period of time. We have this Facebook group, we have 150 plus local groups. You can get involved, and you can become part of this community from the very beginning. chooseavicom slash start is the easiest way to get involved. There are all the links that you need to find your local group, to find the main Facebook group, and get up and take action. There's nothing to sell. We believe in not paying fees not paying fees in any aspect of your life and certainly not paying for any insider information or any nonsense like this. This is the most open and sharing community I've ever been a part of. And it really, really warms my heart to see that on a daily basis where everyone is just sharing these little life hacks that they've come across in their own life to help the other people in their community.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the episode today. Maybe you heard about this because of a friend and you want to go a little bit deeper. Obviously, we've told you how to get started with that. If you want more of the podcast, one of the things that I would recommend is that you consider just going back to our very first episode. So you're listening to this episode or episode 100. But in reality, we've done over 180 episodes by the time this has been released. And I think it tells a pretty compelling story. I think it's one that if you expose yourself to it, you'll have trouble walking away from. And one thing that we've tried, we've tried so hard is to make sure that there is something actionable in every single episode. I think it's going to be a valuable use of your time. So if that's something that appeals to you, you have a nine to five commute and you want to work through a couple episodes a week, definitely give it a shot. And if you're, if you're not a completionist, I totally get it. We have an essential listening list that you'll get access to. It'll be listed on the links for today's episode. And that's just some of the the fan favorites, ones that have kind of risen to the top. It's probably 30 or 40 episodes that you cannot afford to miss. One of my personal favorites is travel rewards. I talked about earlier how me and my wife were able to go visit her family. And one of the things that we were able to do to preserve our savings rate is figure out how to travel the world for free. So that's a theme that you'll, you'll see pop up from time to time. If you want to listen to that episode, it's episode nine of our podcast. If this episode resonated with you and you know, someone that you believe it might resonate with a family member, a friend, a coworker, consider sharing it with them. Episode 100 is our gateway episode just to start a conversation. And then from there, you get to decide how much farther you want to go with this. But I think it's going to be a very valuable use of your time and their time. All right, my friends, the fire is spreading. We'll see you next time as we continue to go down the road less traveled. You've been listening to Choose FI Radio Podcast, where we help middle-class America
1: build wealth, one life hack at a time.